thanks for coming tonight. Welcome to Bethel Radio Hour. Um, we're going to be continuing on with our discussion of the life of Jesus. By the way, I'm glad you all made it through Snowmageddon. Like, I have not seen that much snow in a lot of years. We're in Luke chapter 2 tonight. We are continuing on um, with the life of Jesus. And tonight we'll be discussing uh, Jesus as a child when he visits the Lord's temple. Uh, for those of you that are familiar, but I'll be reading from Luke chapter 2. This is starting in verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, three, three days as a parent, I cannot even imagine. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus replies, why were they searching for me? He answered, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So um, have any of you had that moment of fleeting? Be honest. You can't find your child. You're in a store. You're at a football game. You're at a somewhere, and they're just gone. 30 minutes. I took 10 years off my life oh, in, yeah. in Branson at uh, Silverado City, lost Megan for 30 minutes. Oh, my gosh. And you think years they're gone forever? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So just reading this and thinking three days, which, I mean, I could see how it would happen. They traveled in caravans of people, and this was a big event, there was, and it would be easy to think that, oh, they're with my aunt, uncle, cousins, whoever. Um, but for three days, and like God gave us his son to raise here on earth, and we've lost we him. We lost God's son. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> we, we're never going to heaven. Yeah. Uh, so you got to understand the culture, of course. Uh, they traveled in caravans in just about every way that they traveled, everywhere that they traveled. And typically, culturally, the women and children led, and the men went in the back. And when I say men, you know, probably down to, to children's age. So Jesus is just at that juncture that he could probably he's go. A, he's a tween. He's, he's a tween. A, he's 12. He could That's go back and forth. Mm -hmm. So if somebody asked Joseph, well, where's Jesus? Well, he was, he's with Mary. I'm sure he is, you know, because they're human. And we would say the same thing, you know. And then Mary is asked, well, where, where's Jesus? Well, he's with Joseph. I'm, I'm sure he likes to hang out with his dad, you know, and, and the older guys and such. <laughs> and then finally, at a dinner maybe, they come together and they look at each other and go, where's Jesus? Well, you've got him. No. You, no. And then before you know it, the panic button is, is punched and they start looking. I was just going to say they made a movie about that called Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That was before aftershave, though, so we probably yeah. didn't have the... Well, so <clears throat> the, the, there's an important verse before this passage, an important verse after this passage, in my humble opinion, that gives some uh, continuity and context. And it talks about that he grew physically, you know, he waxed strong in the spirit, he grew in wisdom, he grew in favor of men mm -hmm. and of God. And so, uh, you know, Jesus grew in the most important areas of life, spiritually, physically, mentally, and socially. At age 12, without his omnipresent 
omniscience, all-powerful attributes fully going yet. He confounded the teachers of the day with his questions and answers. To me, that, and there's, you know, you said this before we got started, there's just so many different angles. You know, we, we could talk strictly and only about the, um, the familia context and, and fill up 15 minutes easily talking just on parental things, you know, and how to avoid something like that and such of that nature. But I don't know that you're going to ever eradicate you know, with Walmart involved, with Six Flags involved, with a, a stadium involved, how, how are you going to eradicate ever missing a kid for five seconds to five minutes to 30 <laughs> minutes? You, you're, you're, what, what did uh, Max Lucado call it? A little bit of hanging? Yeah. You know, you're going you're gonna to fill that rope. Oh, my goodness, I've lost my child, you know. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever done anything like this, but back in the day when they started building those arches and they come up with these body suits and this cable, and they pull you up 100 feet in the air and they let you go and you, ah, you know. I did that with Molly when Molly was six years old. And we got pulled up all the way to the top and we're strapped in together. And I thought, I am going to be called the stupidest dad in the world because <laughs> this thing is going to snap, we're going to splat, and poor Dawn's going to be talking to the media. Why did he do it? I don't know. He's so dumb. <laughs> you know, That'd be a great name for the ride. Snap that's and right. splat. That's snap, snap and splat. splat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so after we survived, I thought, I need to build one of these at the house and do it every morning because it just was exhilarating. But anyway, I digress. So um, my thought with reading this was, you know, he's at the, he's at the temple and it says um, he's listening to them and asking questions. And I thought he's asking the spiritual leaders of the day. This is, I mean, they were, they, oh yeah, they were the Rabbis, teachers. They were, teachers. they were it when it came to the scriptures and understanding of they God the for their time. Of their they were the gavels. And so if he's asking them questions and I thought, did God allow him to, did, that he just release, you know, he knew he was God and man, but right. at that time, was he, was he asking questions that only he could answer? Did he know the answers to the questions before he asked them? It says in uh, 47, and, and he heard, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So they were asking him questions, too. Right, so. right. Well, okay, so, so here's my take on this. Uh, first of all, Mary and Joseph, I mean, it was no accident that Mary and Joseph gets Jesus, okay? So he is being taught in the strictest form of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Teach them as they rise up. Teach them as they lie down. Teach them as you walk by the way. Teach them as frontlets to the eyes. Just all that. You know, I, I, I would almost guarantee you that on Joseph's house, he had etched into his doorframe the word of God because that's what he's commanded to do in Deuteronomy. So Jesus was given the best Jewish education that a Jewish child could get, in my humble opinion. You add to that, the son of God, that he has the greatest intellect of, of any person, in my humble opinion. So he was taught correctly. Uh, he gave himself to the teachings, you know, and isn't that the struggle with our children? We're, we're teaching them. Are they giving themselves to the teaching, you know? Uh, and then he, I, I do believe that even though I, I, I fought this for a while, I, I will agree with somebody that, okay, Jesus was not necessarily using his godlike attributes at this age. But I do believe he was filled with the Spirit. And I do believe he was responsive to the Spirit. So I believe that is why he was able to confound them 
and that, and that they started asking questions. Tom, you got something? Well, um, it just, what about when he was baptized by John and it says the dove ascended on him as the Holy Spirit? So could we say that he had the Holy Spirit before that? Certainly, certainly. Simply because this, he, he's all God, he's all man, all at the same time right. from birth. Well, and even in his answer, when his mother says, well, we've been anxiously searching for you, where have you been? And his answer, and I don't right. think he meant it to be a smart, no. you know, smart elk or a smart answer. He was just being honest, like, well, well, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house or I'd be about my father's business or um, different translations? Uh, didn't you know I'd be about my father? I think he revealed. Is what he was saying. Right, like, he well, revealed in that answer. I mean, I think he was confused. He was fully aware of who yeah. he was. Well, and I wondered one thing. Um, anytime we refer to Jesus with any type of surname, it's always capitalized. But at least in my Bible, it says the boy Jesus, and boy is not capitalized. Right. So I didn't understand if that's a typo or yeah. if they did that I, on purpose. I, I don't know. That's a good That's a good point. I, I, I'm out on that. I, I've never heard anybody address that. Um, to, to just put a point blank answer to your question about the, the dove ascending on Christ was for the crowd, in my humble opinion. That was for everyone there to say, okay, God just put his stamp of yeah, approval. Yeah, God the Spirit. God the Spirit. Uh, and, and this is going to tie in here in about two more segments. Uh, but God the Spirit gave his approval, and God the Father gave his approval with the voice. You know, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So you got the Trinity at the baptism uh, type thing. And But w what I wanted to say also is that these guys had three days. I think the first day was a marvel. Second day got serious. Yeah. And the third day, they're getting red-faced. And, and no, no, I, wait a minute. Wait a minute, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Get your kid out of here. Oh, and one of my thoughts was, if he, surely at that time, they had to be thinking and talking about the coming Messiah. Like, it, at some point of three days of him teaching and asking questions, don't you think some of the Savior talk, maybe, as it a stretch right. to say, might have been discussed? So here is the Savior 12-year-old Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the coming prophesied Messiah, surely it had to come up. Because we're also only 12 years removed from Bethlehem, babe in a manger, mm -hmm. wise men, the star, star that appeared. Yeah, the, yeah so yeah. all this stuff's fresh, you would think. You bet. I just had an insane question. So were there people that followed him as a one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old that said, no, this is God? This is God. I've never thought about that before. Like, so if they went there saying this is the coming, the wise men and all that, why wouldn't people be following the 12-year-old Jesus saying this is him? He's right. Just and we don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but it's quite possible. It, and think about it. Simeon and Anna's mm -hmm. people, they may have been in the temple watching. And so that was something that we didn't um, discuss during Bethel Radio Hour, but for those of you who aren't familiar, Simeon and Anna, Simeon was promised that he would see the Messiah before he died, and so when they brought Jesus to the temple, um, as was their custom in the day, um, he knew this is the Messiah and recognized him as such, and so did Anna. So, you yeah, I've always this. thought that too. Like, shouldn't he have had like a, a, a yeah. following of a people? entourage. Yeah. Was you going to say something? Well, I was just going to talk about the, the panel of people that were listening to him, and he was listening to them, and going back and forth, and I don't know if it was this way back then, but there are, uh, are different disciplines in study now. You can imagine that there were dis different experts of the law there on certain books or certain right. passages, and 
going back and forth, and Jesus, of course, being the resident expert on Messiah and the, the you know the the coming uh, Messiah, and that surely had to come up in the discussion. But it, his uh, expertise in the area, having being the the Messiah, I just you can see it start to dawn on those guys. This guy, this kid, there's something to this kid. Yeah. And are these the same guys, or any of these guys left of the of the elders in the uh, nation of Israel. 18 years later. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Well, you got to think that Nicodemus might have been in yeah. this crowd. Yeah. You know. Some, uh, go ahead. Someone has Joseph a great question. Um, Jesus lost for three days. Is this a foretelling of Jesus being in the grave for three days? Mm. I've never thought question. of that, but it is a good Nothing's question. an accident. Good point. I mean, there's an not accident, an accident right. he was in the grave for three days. Right. That was predicted. Not an accident in that he was lost for three days. In the temple that he's going to destroy the, the veil. Right. You know. Uh, Think about this. He's on the scene. He's on the scene. He had enough maturity at 12 years old to not panic being separated from his parents. And probably because he was about his father's work. He was at home. To him, I'm I'm home. I'm where I'm supposed to be. He seems a little (laughs) bit surprised that his parents (coughs) didn't know this was going to happen. Right. Seems a little bit. Didn't you know? You know me. You know who I am. And for three days, he navigated being homeless. Where did he? Where did he sleep? Yeah, yeah. Because you know those guys, they went home. Yeah, well, I have fourteen-year-olds that couldn't handle that. <laughs> so I'm just but we could say that he was homeless the entire his life. No doubt. You know. No doubt. Foxes have the dead, son of man hath not where to lay his head. Amen. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, he, this is a big one. He was not bored with theology. How many twelve-year-olds could sit down and talk? <laughs> Let's talk the Trinity now. Well, they well, didn't have, like, Nintendo Switch or nothing, so. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because he's discussing the Word, and in John 1, I am the, the He is the Word. So, um, Something that I just noticed uh, this evening worthy of um, maybe wrapping up on this, but in Luke chapter 2, in verse 40, before I started reading, it says, And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And then... In 52 of the same chapter, and it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Um, and I've heard Brad say before, I wish there was more that it says about teenage Jesus. But that's all we've got. We've just got the one verse. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Yeah. Well, and, and those John. are the four <laughs> areas that we've got to make sure our children grow in. You know, now, obviously, we don't have much control over the physical part. But if they're sick, we take them to a doctor. You know, we try to feed them healthy, so on and so forth. Uh, so that's what we do physically. Spiritually, we're responsible, just as responsible as Joseph and Mary is, to train our children biblically. Socially, it's our responsibility to, to, to guide that, to watch that, to, to direct it and such. And, of course, you know, they're going to take their social cues from us, how we treat each other in the home and treat our friends and such of that nature. And, of course, mentally, you know, hopefully the the education system that we're submitting them to, we're guiding that and directing that. Um, I won't tell you who, but one of my children, uh, it's a almost a weekly discussion on how to advance your understanding in, in your classes, you know. Uh, and, and, it, you know and I, somebody told me, Years and years ago, you won't get it done in one session. You got to just lovingly, like a dripping faucet, 
This when is you go how out, it works. when you come in. And this that's and going works. tying back to this Deuteronomy. And not to put in a shameless plug for our small group on Sunday morning, but we're talking about children. Parenting. And ra- and, and I we're saw on the parenting. book Sunday. We're on parenting. And he had it all set up, ready to go. Oh, yeah. And the and snow hit. And it's just training that, like you said, as you come, as you go, as you rise up, lie as you lay down, up. and it, it is, it's constant. And um, kudos to Mary and Joseph for taking on the Son of God. I mean, my gosh, when I think about um, my faults as a parent, and I'm thinking, what were they thinking? We're supposed to raise the Savior? <laughs> well, this is also the last time we hear of Joseph, isn't it? And this is the last time we hear of jo- Jesus' father. And I mean, do they say if he died or he just disappears? I, that, that, is the, that is the accepted opinion, is that he passed away. Uh, the pressure of raising the Son of God was just too much. Wow. He, he stroked well, out. Well, this three-day episode probably took <laughs> out about half of it, not to make light of that. And, and, and the scholars that I read after today preparing for this, it's their opinion that Jesus basically took over the business. Yeah, he would have had wow. to have helped raise mm-hmm. his. I had read that, too, mm-hmm. that he probably had to take over what any young man would do if they lost their father, right. which is help raise the children, help work, help provide. I think that's what's so hard for me to wrap my mind around is as a Son of God, you know, he had dirty diapers. He lost teeth. You know, but you, it makes you wonder, not being silly, it sounds silly, but like if when the Jewish leaders are giving him tests, did 100% every time, you know, how does he allow faults? You know, and that, that's what's always confused me. How is he able to be sinless but still have them faults wanting to backhand the kid that took his toy and all that, you know, right. so... Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, well, he, and that's, he was, he was all tempted God, in every point. And he was all man. And he experienced everything that we, last week we talked about fear. He experienced fear. He's experienced everything we had to experience. And we know that he did it without sin. He did because he is all God and he is all man. So That'd be terrible to be invited to his birthday party, though, and know, oh, the son of God. What do you bring him? <laughs> you know, it's like, everything. <laughs> Here's a dreidel. Oh, 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 we're going to close on that one and move on to, uh, I'm just saying, anybody? I've got a couple, but I'm going to try to stick to one here. Uh, did, did you guys uh, hear about the um, Clemson meal, the, yeah. the, the fast food? Because yeah. the government the shut House. down. So instead of having a big steak dinner and, and such, uh, he went and bought $3,000 worth of, on his dime. Uh, fast food to feed the Clemson football team that won the national championship. So uh, he made a joke at this meal. And he said, uh, I just didn't want Melania to have to whip up a salad for you guys. <laughs> well, the mainstream media lost their ever-loving oh, mind. Yeah. Okay, so this is, I'm just saying, I love it that mainstream media is so triggered by non-essential stuff like President Trump joking that Melania would have to whip up some salads if he didn't purchase the fast food for Clemson. I, I, you know, it's just nuts to me. Uh, but but they, they do. Anything that they can take and twist, I mean, I believe that he could say, I love every one of you Americans, and it's going to be, oh, my gosh, Twisted, yeah. Satan himself <laughs> loves us. And so anyway. Yeah. So that was, I had one, I got two. One was related, he's making fast food great again, I'm just saying. <laughs> so. Fast food didn't quit being great, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, was it ever great is what Tara's asking. <laughs> And the other one was, I got my hair cut this week. Lord help. And I swear, I swear, every time, I've been to four different hair cut Are they places. trying to talk you into a comb over, Gavin? Yeah, you know, you would think they would do something different. I, I give everyone the same description. I'd, I say, short but top. not buzzed. A little Short but top. not buzzed. This is what I get every time. Buzz. This is buzz to me. So I need help 
talking to my... Are you wanting a scissor cut? I'm not understanding maybe, what you're maybe saying. Maybe that's what I should say. <laughs> yeah. I want a scissor cut. Oh. Yeah, it comes around. Do you get half price? That's what I want to know. I've asked for <laughs> discounts. You would think you're done oh with me in like two gosh. minutes. No doubt. Oh. Benjamin's got shears, man. We take care of it. <laughs> I'm thinking about going to the my groomer. Yeah. I've never heard yeah. you do it next You're time. Your dog so. groomer. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Look like a poodle. That'd be awesome. I, I was just going to add on to the fast food thing. I just wish he would have got Chick fil A because that would have made everybody's. Oh, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. CNN would just close. Yep. <laughs> it <is> just closed. <laughs> All right, so um, our next topic, I kind of posed this on Ben earlier this week, and it's on, essentially, the Lord is still speaking to us, um, but how do we know when he is? Um, how do we know it's the Lord, and um, how do we know that we're following what he's telling us, and are we listening? Right. So this centers around, obviously, the Holy Spirit. If we're not careful, uh, we listen to the phrase that he's the third person of the Trinity, and we see that as a ranking. He's the third. You know, he's, he's the third God, you know. Uh, and, and it's not that at all, Well, there's a book called The Forgotten God. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, so so it, it's not a description, okay. Uh, I, I'm sorry, let me back up. It is a description. The, the fact that he's the third person of the Godhead, it is a description, but it's not meant to be descriptive that that's his limit, that that's his place. He's only third best. It's not that at all. Uh, you've heard the definition that I borrowed from a Bible teacher years ago on what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Instant obedience to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. Every word of this definition of walking in the Spirit carries the idea of urgency, attentiveness, sensitivity to God's Spirit. He speaks to us through His Spirit. He guides us by his spirit. We are spiritually handicapped if we do not listen moment by moment for that small, still voice. Comments before we keep going. Everyone, everyone, everyone struggles with knowing what God wants them to be, That's what right. God's asking them to do. I think everybody does. Even John the Baptist, uh, when he was in prison, he sent his disciples to Jesus, ask him if he's the one that's to right. come or is there another. And you could sense that John the Baptist is saying, Hey, is, have I spent my life in the way that God would have me to spend it? Uh, and he's the one that leapt in his mom's womb, announced Jesus as the Lamb of yeah, God. If anyone was filled with the Spirit, John the Baptist was. He would be the guy. Yeah, fact, so everyone struggles with it. From his mother's womb. And uh, I, I use the phrase that you have said many times, the, the, the peace of God arbitrates, arbitrates his God's will. will. Um, so if, you, if I'm trying to decide something, if I feel like, and sometimes I have to actually start doing it. So I start to have to move him toward to it. To see if the peace stays with and you. And the peace or sometimes comes. I, Well, there's always fear. There's always some anxiety. No if it's a big decision, there's always some fear there. Right. Um, and if I, if I proceed in that way and then I get some affirmations pretty quickly and some peace, right. then, then I know I'm heading the right direction. And one, one thing I want to say, guys, if, if you don't have that in your brain, heart, and mind, you need to type it in your phone, write it on your notes. I learned this from Jerry Jolly. Uh, when I left, quote, unquote, Bethel in 95, two, two months previous to me leaving, I was struggling with this decision. Do I go to Temple Baptist Church as their youth director? And this is where Brother Jerry and I talked 
I told him I'm going to take two weeks to pray about it. He said, Brother Ben, you do what you need to do, but I don't believe you need to take two weeks. I think you can go to your knees asking God. You can stand up knowing what his will is. That challenged me to no end. And that's when he said, Ben, peace arbitrates. And that word arbitrates is a, a, an attorney. Ryan's defense for Yeah, right. And, and, and it, he guides it. He guides it. And arbitrates God's will. So uh, that was the beginning of me learning, if you will, that, that help and, and, and following that, that uh, advice. But something I learned along the way, because that was 20 years ago now, 21, 23, I believed that that meant I would want to do it. That's not what peace means. Because your flesh doesn't want to do what God wants you to do. I want to stay comfortable. That's You better believe it. But as you obey what you sense and feel that God is directing you to do, the peace comes. Peace arbitrates God's will. So, And I, I've seen it, I've done it the other way too. I've passed an opportunity, you know, from fear or for whatever, from not thinking it through immediately felt regret and then had to do the retreat of shame. Uh, Ravi Zacharias' group calls it the the run of shame when somebody's come up to them and ask them a question and they just kind of uh, superficially answer the question and they walked away and then they realized God's working on this person. So then they got to run and catch the person. They call it the run of shame. So I've done the run of shame many times to get back to where I missed the opportunity to minister, to do what God was wanting me to do. So his, his conviction arbitrates an error. You better believe <laughs> so. it. You be- yeah, yeah, it works both directions. Yeah. I was going to say, the, the bumper sticker answer for me is, is you can't hear God listening. Close, you can't hear God talking. Close your mouth and listen. Right. And usually, because it's like you've, you've preached before, it's like a radio station. They yeah. tune into one of them AM radio. They're yeah. always talking. God is always talking. We just have to tune into him, no matter what facet of life we're in. But m- mine has been, and you have to train yourself to do it, when you get that instant gratification, that, that is what I've heard. You know, I've been walking in my field working before. Someone's name came to my heart, called them out of the blue. They're crying. This I've been just praying somebody to call me. Well, that's wow. instant gratification, Amen. you know. And, and I've had a, a handful of instances in my life where, shy of being audible, I heard God tell me what I needed to hear. Sure. I followed that decision, and it, it, it wasn't a comfortable one. was a lawsuit, and I prayed, what is... What do I do? And God said, what's more important, that money or your child? Amen. And, you know, and we settled the lawsuit and all that, but it all worked to our favor. I didn't Amen. want to. We would have won. Right. But we let it go. And uh, so that's just been blessings to me. Amen. Amen. Well, so, Terry, you asked the question, how do we know when he is speaking? And so my answer to that is conviction. God will hopefully lovingly get your attention. Practice. I, I think this is key. I think we need to practice listening to God. You know, God, I'm, I'm having trouble hearing you. Help me. Okay, go ahead. And I think that involves, too, getting alone and getting quiet with God. No like we are a busy, busy society. Um, a, a radio's always on. A TV's always on. There's kids running around. You're at work. We're never alone, or at least, I mean, at this stage of my life, I'm never alone. It's it's never quiet. I have to make quiet. Like, I have to make time to brush my teeth. I mean, get up it earlier is like, or stay up later. Or it's a priority. But if you're never quiet, if you're never silent, 
if you're never actually studying the Bible, if you're never actually spending time in prayer, then how can you hear it? You're constantly being bombarded with everything else in the world well, around the, you. And the verse says, be still mm -hmm. and know that I am God. And we, we talked about that Sunday. It is the discipline of knowing that there is nothing in your life that he is not speaking to. Hmm. He's got an opinion on everything you're doing. Now, now listen to this. He's got a biblical, accurate, authoritative quotations, opinion, on every decision in your life. And so somebody actually texted in, if we ask the Holy Spirit, if we ask the Lord to become involved in every step of our life, he will. Once you chase after this type of closeness, you can't help but hear him. Amen. Another thing, too, I don't think God, uh, so if you're considering an endeavor or an exploit for the Lord, or you're considering some, some new ministry or becoming involved in something or even starting something brand new, I don't, I don't think it's wrong to try, to, to try and, you know, approach a God and say, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my decisions based on what feedback you give me from when I'm starting. And uh, I'm using uh, Jonathan's uh, exploit with his armor bearer. He yeah. said, if they say come yeah. up, we're, we're going to ask we a question. Yeah, we're going to ask him. If they say come up, we know God's delivered him. If he's it, if they say we're going to come down to you, then we know that God's not in it. I think that's uh, the, the negative side of that. But it's okay to try. It's okay to take steps in the right direction. Amen. And then I don't think God's just going to you know just destroy your life if you tried to do something for him and he wasn't right. It wasn't the right timing. Um, he wasn't necessarily wanting you to start at that point. He'll probably let you know. And and. A, well, so unpleasant I'm, way. I'm gonna I'm gonna support what you're saying there with an illustration just out of our our immediate life as a church and as a pastor. So Paul Prince is going quote unquote under the knife Monday, and it's a pretty serious day. It's a pretty serious visit. Well, I I have pretty much a hard fast rule. If I come to see you at the hospital and you're asleep, I'm gonna go to the nurses station. I'm gonna get a post it, and I'm gonna say Brother Ben was here. Love you. Praying for you. Here's my phone number. Put it on your tray table. I figure if I walk into your, I've already knocked on your door. I walk into your tray table and I put it on there and you don't wake up. You either own something and you need to sleep <laughs> or you're so sick that you need to sleep. And so I don't wake people at the hospital as a general rule. So I went in and I mean, bless Paul's heart. He was sawing the logs. <laughs> so I, I, I even said, Paul, nothing. I turn around, go get my post-it note. And the Holy Spirit said, he is having surgery today. You ain't got nothing else to do. Just chill out. And so I, I sat there against the wall, and I got into my phone, and I sent some texts out. I did some work, you know, and just chilled out. I probably spent 10, 15 minutes, you know. And then I knocked on the door again, and he was awake. And, and you know, it was just, it was a Holy Spirit thing, you know. The, the, the peace of God was not going to go with me if I, I thought, okay, I'm, you know, uh, I'm off the hook, you know. Unless and, you knocked Brother Ben, and then they're like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, now everybody knows that. Well, this makes me think of a, and this is such a great example of doing what the Holy Spirit told you to do, but, I, well, at least I like to think, because it involves me, but um, before I started coming to Bethel, I was working as a nurse in the ICU, and you came to visit a it wasn't even a church member. It was like a friend of a church member, sure. a family member or something, and you were there, and um, you kind of made the connection. Oh, I think, aren't you so, you know, da, 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 and you knew I had gone through a really hard time and was going through a hard time at present, literally just trying to survive. 
my life at that point. And um, I didn't say anything. I was just like, yep, I am who I identified myself correct. I'm her. You know, nothing. I'm, wor I'm working. And that, you know, it just was what it was. And you left. And then, like, 15 minutes later, you reappear. And you're just like, and you said, essentially, I got out to my car and I felt like God I told me I had to come back and talk to you and just I want you to know that if you're looking for a church and you and that's you it. that's the run of shame right there. The, yeah, that's, you better believe it. That's you exactly took the run right. of shame to your car right. and took the time to walk all the way back up to the third floor of the hospital to say I I and and that was that spoke to me and I Amen. needed somebody to say you're people care about you. Um, that's right. You don't even know that's these right. people we, yet. We but are you aware might of someday, what's going on. You might someday. And God's care. not yeah. done with you. Yeah, Amen. it was great. And, and we all need that. Amen. Because we all find ourselves, no matter the quote-unquote circumstance, we all find ourselves in a low spot. And we need somebody to, hey, you know, God, God's not done with you. We're not either. You know? And may I say, too, that a lot of us have missed that, okay. where we were supposed to do it. God was telling us to do it, and we just, whoop, nope, got to go, got to get there, got to do that. We're not even listening. That was like my point of the whole things are going through my head. As I've done, this has happened like four times in the last two months on big issues in my life. And one was to approach someone and just offer to have lunch with them. And it, it all of a sudden, they, they were like, why do you want to have lunch with me? I was like, I just want to get together. And, yeah. you know, was, I've been wanting to do it for a while. Well, why do you, why you want to do that? <laughs> so, I mean, they, all of a sudden, they were defensive. They looked, I do that, too, when a deacon says he you, wants to go to lunch with it, me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what have I done? Come on. <laughs> if it's weird, if it's that weird for you, let's forget it. Yeah. All right? I just offered. If you ever yeah. feel comfortable, you, we're out. Let's go get lunch. But you never invited me to lunch. You never invited me to lunch. No, coffee. I, yeah, coffee. Well, I was gonna say, and sometimes it's amazing when you see a God's plan come together. Me and you went to look at maple trees in that one yeah. state park or whatever yeah. it was. And we went to... That just sounded so weird. We went to look at maple trees. What's and sorry. There's nothing weird about I'm that. I'm sorry. sorry. Well, anyways. So we had this great day. Yeah. But I didn't know that. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're skipping the <laughs> That's what you want to say. Sugar plums. And so, but we go up to the Phillips 66 with McDonald's there. And me and him are standing on the sidewalk. And a man walks up that we'd been talking about a little bit. And he wanted to talk to me, and I looked at him, and I'm like, we both knew. I stood on that sidewalk for like an hour and a half. Well, and we talked, and he needed to talk to me. I've been thinking and praying about him. It was one of those meetings. Well, I called a couple of people he was related to, and they, too, had stories. I've been praying that person would run into a godly person. Amen. And then I called him, and you had other things. And it was, just, it was like yeah. eight it, it was scenarios that yeah. all come yeah. together at that yeah. point. And it's just yeah. amazing when you see that happen. Amen. Those are called divine appointments. And around maple trees. And, yeah. and there you go. So, so let's, uh, I mean, we're, we're doing good on time, I think. Uh, but uh, how does the Lord speak to us? We've already mentioned the small, still voice. Uh, very interesting thing happened Sunday morning. As you guys know, I send out a, a, almost said a tweet. I send out a text. I'm not that technologically advanced. I send out a text every Sunday to the Merrimack pastors. And on occasion, which is great, they volunteer what they're going to preach. Well, a lot of them didn't have church Sunday because of the snow, so a fellow volunteered what he was going to preach, and it was on the small, still voice. And uh, I, I just commented on that text that, uh, you know, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God's word is our hearing aid to hear God's small, still voice. 
And I think that's just so important. So that's the second answer is the Bible. Friends, you know, God will speak to us through our friends if we will let him, if we will listen. Now, I've got some friends that they make fun of this now, but they do it in a joking way. They're not trying to be mean. But uh, the Proverbs says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Well, if you and I are having coffee somewhere and I ask the question, May I wound you? <laughs> I'm, I'm fitting a fillet. Here it goes. <laughs> yeah, I'm fixing to. Hope you have to, your rhinoceros this, skin that's on. That's right. That's right. Get your rhinoceros skin on because I'm fixing to point to a booger on, the, on your face. Now, watch this. We laugh about that. But don't we all want somebody to love us enough to mm-hmm. tell us when we are really messing up? And, and very honestly, it's usually our wife or, or our husband, and it needs to be. But we also, if, if for whatever reason they're not in a position, maybe they don't see it. Maybe they're in the same, you know, they're blinded too. We need somebody to say, hey. You know, Love you enough to tell you the truth. Gavin has done that for me. Gavin has done that for me. Amen. Uh, church, God will speak through his church. I hope and pray, at least occasionally, that he's speaking through the pulpit, through the songs, uh, through the prayers, uh, everything that we do. He speaks to the church. And then lastly, and boy, this is important circumstances. And, and I don't mean it's important in that that's how he speaks to us. I'm saying it's important that it's last. Too many Christians have not given themselves to the discipline of listening to the small still voice, reading the Bible, listening to their friends, attending church faithfully. And they pretty much read God's will by tea leaves. I, I was going out the other day and I saw a buck. I knew it was time to go hunting. God, God laid it on my heart to go hunting because I saw that deer out there. Well, I mean, sooner or later, that's going to lead you into a, a mess, you know. Uh, so, sir, because God's not the only one that can manipulate circumstances. The devil can, too. You know, so it, Hence the weather every Saturday for the past <laughs> three weeks. Well, you know, we talked about dreams last week. And I didn't want anybody, I felt like I was a little misunderstood there. I was saying that <laughs> God spoke to Joseph in dreams. God's not speaking to me in dreams. Uh, I have dumb can. dreams that I remember and dumb dreams I don't remember. Those are the <laughs> only two dreams I have. I, but back I've, in the I've Bible, had, he did yeah. speak to people I, in their dreams. I've had biblical dreams before that I've, sure. I've called you and said, what do you think of these? And you said, you know, you don't truly believe in that, but if it blesses you, sure. go with it. But, you know, talk God speaking with you. I've had dreams where I've been in situations and doing things I should not be doing. And I turn, come around the corner, and you were there, and Steve Reed was there. And here I'm trying to, you know, clean myself up. Clearly, you guys could see my sin in that dream. And I woke up mortified, like upset. Like, I cannot believe I just did that. And it was a dream. But I've used that, and it's like, like the Scared Straight program. It's right. like, I don't want that to happen in my life. You know, so I, I better call it God's talking to me. He's just, you bet. he's letting me wake up with clean hands instead of actually well, God, doing God it. God can use dreams, and I don't think he stopped using dreams. I, I, it's not necessarily the way he, dis, you know, dispenses his word in dreams, but I, I hear of people uh, through other ministries that are, it's a phenomenon in the Middle East now, um, people that are having dreams about Jesus. Yeah, the are, Muslims, that, I've that, heard. That are, yeah, yeah. The, hmm. because they can't hear the word uh, that God is appearing to them in dreams, and then when somebody shows up with the gospel, they, they've said, I've been having a dream about uh, this Jesus we've been talking about. I, I want to commit my life to him. In multiple different ministries, Not uh, so I hear about it from Ravi Zacharias, his ministry, several of the testimonies given at the last year's uh, meeting, 
um, founders meeting. And then um, other ministries as well, they, they'll go and talk to a group, a business group in uh, Egypt or in the Middle East. Somebody will come forward and say, I've been dreaming about this person cool. you're talking about for a while. So God can still use And what a neat way to oh, plant yeah. a seed, too. And God could be using that because if you watch Ghostbusters right before you go to sleep, you're dreaming about ghosts and stuff. Right. You know, So these people that are having, one person has a dream in a group and they talk about it. Well, you could see how God could just start planting those seeds. and it just Or spreading. it's like in other countries where they don't have the word at all. Like it, <coughs> You'll hear people say, well, um, I've always thought there had to be somebody that made these mountains. These mountains are here. There had to be a creator. Like right. it's on their heart. Like they say even, you know, God will show in his creation if his yeah. presence Romans is one. So there without stars excuse. in the sky and cry out. All right. So we'll stop there. Um, would you rather... Ben's I got a, I got a good one. Oh, I'm sure you I do. I got a good one. Uh, and this goes with the snow. Would you rather? So, first of all, you've been captured by a terrorist. And you have to choose between these two options of torture. Would you rather be staked to the cold ground and be subjected to an ice storm for two hours where you lose your fingers and toes, all, all your appendages, all ten, to frostbite, but fully recover? You fully recover. Or be Except subjected. Your fingers, right? Well, yeah, you don't recover <laughs> your fingers. You, you, they're gone. That's not fully recovered. <laughs> Just making a point. Work with me, Gabby. Being legalistic. Or be subjected to a 12-hour snowstorm where you lose your functional mobility. So, in other words, you're going to walk around like an 80-year-old man for the rest of your life, but you lose no extremities, but you move very slowly for the rest of your life. Which would you choose? B. A. B. I'm B. You still want to have your fingers and toes? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm I don't already, mind moving slow. That's going to happen anyway. I'm already moving slow, so I'm... <laughs> B for me. A or B? B, slow. That's yeah. a blessing. You get away with so I'm much stuff. Be, yeah, slow. no kidding. Sounds great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, All right. come help me. I'm too slow. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, my would you rather is... I've had to do both of these. It is not pleasant. Would you rather drive 100 miles in a really bad snow or... Drive 100 miles in a really, really terrible thunderstorm, you know, where your windshield wipers are going as fast as they can, and it's just coming down and lightning, thunder, crashing I've done cars. both. It depends on who's driving. Mm. You're driving. You're driving. Oh, I'm driving. Storm, <laughs> rainstorm. Mm. I dislike them both so much. Are they in day or night? That's Let's say problem. night, both night. of them. Mm. Terrible condition. We're talking bad. It's the sure. snow. There's a piece with snow. Because if, like, if you shut off the car and just open the door, it's beautiful. But if it's dark and lightning and thunder, you don't know if there's a big twister right around the other side. Or yeah. I'm taking the snow. Yeah. The rain wears me out. There's just the, just the I mean, it's so like loud. five gallon buckets yeah. coming at the, you can't see yeah. anything. I took a trip with Dave Mills, and I get a twitch whenever I think <laughs> about it. It was some pouring down rain, and he was driving. We were heading to Hillsboro from Pacific, and we wound up in Eureka. I have no idea how yeah. we got there, but I mean, it was. Wait a minute, did you start in the forest a, like Tom? Were you looking for maple trees? All right. We saw trees, but no telling what they were. You have a would you rather? I do. Would you rather? Would you rather eat McDonald's in the White House? Yes. Or your <laughs> best meal ever anywhere you want to eat. Um. Best meal ever anywhere you I'm want. picking you the White House because I want to go to the White House. Mm -hmm. And if I can squeeze French fries into anything and get away with it, I'm going to just <laughs> go ahead and allow myself the French fries in the White House. I thought you were going to say, or your favorite meal with Nancy Pelosi is what I thought, <laughs> where you, know, I thought, I thought you were that. going. I thought about that. I, I, I would know what the answer would have been. 
Yeah, I'll take the White House. Yeah, White House. White House. Huh? Mickey D's. Nope. <laughs> Wendy's was there also. They had Wendy's. They had a bunch oh, man, of when I was yeah. a college student, nothing against the Clemson football team because I'm sure they're used to really great meals and all, but <laughs> Wendy's was like the pinnacle. Like, if you could have all you could eat fast food, everybody I knew was like Wendy's. Triple. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so our third and final topic, um, this was actually um, an article from a uh, December 1st, and we're just now able to squeeze it in. Um, but Lauren Daigle... And, Pretty popular gal these days, and now the uh, she's a Christian artist. If you don't know who she is, she uh, was originally several years ago a contestant on um, American Idol, and I don't know if she won or came close to winning. Super talented Christian artist. She's written, you know, she's one of my favorites. And now uh, the mainstream secular world has caught up to what us Christians have already known, which is she's super talented. Years, she's got yeah. a great voice. Um, she's an amazing singer. Um, so now Lauren is really in the spotlight. She's appeared on all kinds of TV shows, and, uh, I mean, just, she's all over the place. Big, big. Uh, and she was, at, and it's interesting to me that they ask her this question, um, essentially, if she believed that, uh, is it a sin to be homosexual? And they could ask her any kinds of questions, like literally any question. And so here she's being interviewed on, I believe, iHeartRadio was the, the um, where it came from. And of all the questions they could ask her, she's a music artist. They could ask her about anything. They could, uh, how do you come up with your songs? Uh, what should give anything? And they ask her about homosexuality, which is an interesting um, question to come out with on a, a TV on an interview. And her answer was, "quote I can't honestly answer on that in the sense of I have too many people that I love and they are homosexuals." And she says, "I can't say one way or the other. I am not God." Um, when people ask questions like that, I just say, read the Bible and find out for yourself. And when you find out, let me know because I'm learning too. So she kind of evades the question. Um, and I guess our, our thought on this uh, for this topic is why is it hard for us as a society and as Christians in general to say homosexuality is a sin? So I, I don't know that it's hard, but I think a lot of people have become fearful of saying it because of the retribution, especially if you have a business. If you say that, if you particularly come out against uh, same-sex marriage or say that homosexuality is wrong, um, but I, I think we should be sensitive to the issue, but don't fear anything. I, I'm perfect love casts out fear, and if we're loving the person, then we shouldn't be afraid to tell them the truth. Is there, any, is there any sin that would keep God from loving us? No. That, that's a breakthrough for somebody who's in the, in the gay lifestyle or in the homosexual lifestyle. <coughs> They've been told all their life that God hates them. And, that, that's and the, not church hates them. And yeah. the church and I, hates them. And I feel like that is part of the problem. And it's what you said is they need to know that there is a God that loves them. That the people within these walls right now love them, despite whatever they're wrapped up in. We all I have feel our like issues. That is we our all have our issues. Biggest failure as a church is to welcome and love, yeah. and let let God do the rest. And we can't be like Tom. You said it before. Whoop! Nope, not that sin. That one's right. too bad. Straight Stop right the there. Uh, you can, you're God, not welcome here. Well, it's just like the you putting a number title to God, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit number three. I think. And that's us. Maybe it's been the failure of the church for 50 years, but they've put like homosexuality and abortion, number one sin, number two sin. Yes. You know, and it's, and I've said it, and it's been, I've been retraining myself. I think we are afraid of people that wear their sin on the outside. 
you know, and because it, it scares us because they're a little bolder than us. We all got our sin, but I ain't telling you all my secrets. Yeah, you know? yeah and I, see, that's why I have a person. I try a lot to not say he's homosexual or he's gay. He's a human being. Let's start yeah. there. He's a human being. He struggles with this. Sin nature, just like me. This is different than mine, but I've got two two men that come to mind right now, and I've met them fairly recently. All their attributes, all their mannerisms, all the way they dress would tell me, the world's telling me, they're homosexual. These are awesome guys. And part of me is like, just please don't tell me. Please don't let me see. But I'm already prejudging the guy. I like the guy. You know, so that's where you slap yourself, and you're like, that's friendship. Now, I had, there's another man I know that is op- openly homosexual, and I avoid him like the plague, and I try not to. You know, it's like because we got into a discussion one day at the lunch table, and we were joking how we both grew up in 1960s dilapidated trailers. We're laughing. He's like, yeah, my bathtub fell through. I'm like, yeah, I did too, you know? But then it's like <laughs> after that, we just, we run away from each other, you know? And, but I got off on a tangent. But. So this topic came up at teen conference, and... Um, I had in one of my boys had invited one of their friends to come to the conference. They do not as a family attend church. And so after the conference, um, the mother of this boy called and she said, I just wanted to talk to you about something he said that came up. And they said that the speaker said that God doesn't make people homosexual, um, that they're not born that way, that they choose that lifestyle. And I just don't know that I agree with that. And God opened this wonderful, this was one of those moments where it had to be a God thing because I'm not smart enough to come up with these answers. But we had an amazing conversation that essentially led into the gospel and everything else about how it's like saying that God made me to um, be an adulterer. It would be like God saying, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm God, murderer. I'm an adulterer. It's, it's how God made me. Or somebody saying, I, I'm a murderer. I, I, God made me. It's it would be like Cain saying, it would be like Cain in the Bible, for example, <laughs> saying, I, you know, God made Cain a murderer, but then he said it was wrong. So essentially what he was saying was God wouldn't create someone to be homosexual, but then say in the Bible that homosexuality wrong. is wrong. He, he was trying to teach that to these kids. And I made it a point to say this was not a, a hate people in a homosexual lifestyle. This isn't what he was saying was it's a choice. And the answer is that God loves and saves all people. And I said he also made it a point to say that people that are um, females that are sleeping with other men outside of marriage, men that are sleeping with women outside of marriage. It's all its all a sin that God has said is wrong, and the answer to both is the same, which is Jesus. I love using the, the Lady Gaga had that baby, I was born this way, and the LGBT community ran with it. We yeah. love that. I was born this way. And I've had a homosexual or a lesbian woman say that to me. She said, I was born this way. And I said, you're right, you were. And she kind of looked at me like that, and I said, that's why Jesus came. That's right. You know? We, we, we are born sinners. Uh, the, the, the leap that you can't make, if you will, the, the crevasse that you cannot jump, is, is that God made us sin. He didn't. Right. He, he didn't. He, he won't. He can't. And he didn't. God made us perfect. We chose to sin. And then from there, it's Katie bar the door. Uh, you know, pick, pick your poison. Yeah, we all, every man has chosen to sin. Like uh, Adam and Eve had the perfect, perfect scenario, and they couldn't make it out. I mean, they couldn't make it however many days. I'd like to know how many days they were in the garden 
before, before they, they sinned. How did they even make it 48 hours? Been a thousand years, and did the know? angels have a bed on it? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, when are they going to mess this one up? All right. Okay, so uh, good stuff, guys. A absolutely good stuff. Well, one, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No, you're fine. One thing I'd like to share is how, how we answer people like that. We got in a biblical debate at my work, and a guy was starting to get aggressive towards me and Steve, saying, so you're telling me all these little Hindu children that are born in a Hindu nation that don't accept Christ, they're all going to hell. Are you telling me that? He said, do you believe that? And I said, I believe in the Bible. So if the Bible says it, right. then yes. Yeah. I don't believe that. Right. The Bible believes that, right. and I cling to this book. Right. So that's my exit on, I don't have to argue with you. I believe in this book, so you read it, you know? And that's kind of like what she was saying. I think that was a great answer. Hey, no, excellent. Uh, I, you know, to, to, to answer the question, you know, how do we reach uh, the folks that are LGBT, and Gavin's already said it, you show them love. You show them love, and you, but, but sooner or later, you're going to love them enough to tell them the truth. You know, we, we've talked about it here, and I think it's so important that we really, I'm, I'm talking about Bethel people, that we pray through this to the point that we buy into it and we learn how to use it. We are the cancer doctor. We are the guy that you don't want to hear the truth from, but yet because the truth can possibly lead to a cure, you want us to tell you the truth. Because, you know, when we go into the cancer doctor, we don't want to hear him say, I, I'm sorry, but, but you have cancer. But if it is true, if we truly do, that, you know, they've, they've done all the tests, they see it, it's in our lymph nodes, yada, yada, yada. Even though we don't want to hear him say that, we do want him to tell us the truth because there is a cure. It's not 100%, but there is a cure. And so... Uh, well, with Jesus, that is 100%. With Jesus, like it is 100%. And, you know, of course, there's always the other side, a good percentage of sinners. We're not going to say homosexual people. A good percentage of sinners, they don't want to hear the truth. And they, all they, you know, so there's persecution now. One of the reasons that it's hard, in quotations, to, to lovingly tell somebody that homosexuality is a sin is because you can lose your job now. You can lose your business now. You, you can be just absolutely publicly ostracized in the name of hate speech, and the such, when in reality, it's the exact opposite. It's, it's love speech. Love, yeah. You yeah. bet. Well, and, and are we supposed to, if, and that's the other thing, what basis of rules are they living by? It is worthless to speak to somebody that doesn't apply their life to this book. I could, I could talk till I'm blue in the face and tell a homosexual, that's a sin, but if they don't believe in this book, they don't care. Right. Don't cast your pearl before the swine. So one right. thing that would, one direction to go with that, it is, and I'm just taking this from the testimony of David Bennett. He works for RZIM too. Until you have a life-changing encounter with the love of Jesus Christ, you're probably not going to change anything. Until you see the invaluable investment that God is willing to put into your life and, and for what it is, you're probably not going to let go of the things that are giving you um, personal satisfaction, gratification, things that are affirming you as a person. And the gay lifestyle does that to a person. It affirms them in, in what, they, uh, you know, what they feel, what they want. It affirms them in all those things. Until you have a life-changing encounter with the love of Jesus Christ, you're probably not going to let go of it. And I am guilty of not asking Jesus to do that for somebody. So I, I can only go so far. Lord, I can only tell them so much. But if you don't come in and show them your love and give them a, a taste of what, what your, a relationship with you 
is like, I can't do anymore. And we got to leave it there. And we are the love that has yeah. to be shown. And We've got to be willing it, to have it has to be us. with these people, right? It's like you said yeah. how you, um, you're helping someone with a small baby. Your family has, right. like, wrapped your arms around this yeah. young single Almost mother to help her raise this yeah. baby. And you had said before about abortion, you can't say abortion's wrong unless you are willing to help these young mothers that are in a situation that is not ideal. On some and level. And you're showing the love of Christ with helping this young woman with this baby. I mean, that's it's got to be hard. I got uh, kudos to you, but it's like you're saying with how do we reach people? How do you show them this life-changing Jesus that we're following? It's us. It's our actions. Two Sundays ago, we had a moment with uh, baby Ava. That's what we call her. Uh, at our Sunday luncheon, uh, Dawn had all the veggies. Joanne makes five veggies uh, every Sunday, and one of them was what we call baby cabbages. It's Brussels sprouts, okay? And there's a little <laughs> little loving feud in the Burnettes that there's four or five that love. Two camps. Yeah, two camps. The Brussels sprout, the, the Brussels sprout camp and the non-Brussels sprout camp. So The lima bean camp. Yeah, right. A Ava <laughs> loves vegetables. So Dawn puts something on the fork, and Ava takes it and puts it in her mouth. Well, she puts a little bit of Brussels sprout on her fork. She gets it right to her mouth. She stops. You can tell something's going on. <laughs> She's smelling it. She backs off and goes, off. <laughs> and Gavin went, She's one of mine. <laughs> it she was is not priceless. in the Brussels sprout camp. She is not in the Brussels sprout camp. Uh, so... To, to wrap this up type thing, you know, guys, I think it's just so important. To, to me, this comes back to what we've been talking about. This comes back to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It comes back to Jesus leading us. We follow the Spirit by disciplining ourselves to do so. And then the Spirit will give us the boldness, the words, and the love to reach the unreachable. Um, I, I don't know where we're at on time. Oh, my phone's dead. Seven fifty-seven. Okay. So, uh, did you have something you wanted to say or add before I read this? Um, well, somebody had texted in, and it was good. Um, it says, "Is is this a sin? Yes. Is God? God is never telling anyone to change first. He makes us right where we are. To God, all have sinned, and Jesus completely dealt with all sin, every yeah. sin, every, every sin." Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he affirmed those people, I love you even in your sin, but I love you enough to call you out of it, you know, type thing. Uh, so this is, a, 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 this is it, written in the 70s. This guy uh, was exposed to a, I guess you could call it a mini revival that happened in the Canadian churches. And it led to a ministry called Afterglow that churches would ask preachers that were associated with the Afterglow ministry to come and conduct an Afterglow. And so after an evening service, they would just go to the basement of the church or wherever the fellowship hall was, get some coffee, and they would strictly give prayer requests, and then they'd pray over that prayer request. That's all they did. It was the afterglow. And the Spirit of God moved in those afterglows. And so this is him writing about that. Many years ago, I became convinced the Bible is fully inspired. I knew this inspiration to be the work of God, the Holy Spirit. I also knew that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity— the Lord of the church. As I have said, I have a theological appreciation of him, but much of my knowledge in this area could be classified as vague and blurry. My condition was not far different from the Mandarin convert of Primoist China, who, it is said, complained to his missionary teacher. Honorable Father, 
understand. Honorable son, understand. Honorable bird, no understand. So he didn't, he didn't get the Holy Spirit, okay? In the last three years, I've been given an entirely new appreciation of Scripture. Since that day in Korea, when I discovered that Jesus came into Galilee in the power of the Spirit, I've been looking at God's Word through a different set of lenses. Time after time, I have been jolted to see how the New Testament speaks of the Holy Spirit. Let me cite a few examples. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul writes, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We may not be able to get all of this. You know what? Let me jump down to this. Just as blood washed away our past guilt, so his spirit gives us present power to live for Christ. Perhaps the most significant description of the work of the spirit is contained in John 16, 13, 14. He shall not speak of himself, but he shall glorify me. So the works of the spirit are to give us gifts and to cause us to bear spiritual fruit and to fill us with love for each other. But the mission of the spirit is simply to glorify Jesus. What about secret prayer and formal worship and evangelism and social concern? And the other things the Bible talks about, I believe in all of them and work at all and work at all of them. I don't know any Christian worth his salt who doesn't. But we, but we must face the fact that church is suffering from its own energy crisis. The oil shortage facing Western civilization, this is back in the 70s, is nothing to the oil shortage facing the church. And the oil of the spirit is not found by sinking a shaft. This book today, I pulled this from my library have never seen this book before. This is a good book. And he talks about how as he started seeking the Holy Spirit in his life, the Holy Spirit changed him from the inside out. He said, I was trying to work for God, and what God was trying to do was work in me. Thanks, guys. See you Sunday. Lord willing, see you Sunday. Yeah. Stay close to your phone.